for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in to the Blitz Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz. And I'm joined by our betting expert and our new Maryland Terrapin, Jaden Kozak. How's it feel, man? How about you give everybody the news? I don't want to. I guess I kind of spoiled it just there. Just a little bit. It's it's okay though. But uh, I did get accepted into Maryland as of uh, yesterday, so I'm going to be extending College Park this fall. So that's pretty exciting. Um, been a long time coming. Got a little worried there because there was a little bit of a delay on my decision, but. Ended up getting it in, uh, so I'm going to College Park next year. Sure, now we got uh, two Terps. I was talking to Jaden yesterday. We got two Terps, a cat, and a seagull, which two Terps, a cat, and a seagull walk into a bar. That's one hell of a joke set up. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, we're back. We're not going to do the whole, uh, we're back. We've been busy with school, all that. You know, you guys already know that. I've given it to you a thousand times. Um, but we are really looking forward to locking back in after the draft, and we're going to dive into our preseason power ranking. Good time looking at all that, looking at the free agency acquisition, they added in the draft, trying to picture, put together a picture of what the league's going to look like next year. Excited to do that. But first, we need to recap some of what happened in the draft and some of the major players over the weekend. Um, First of all, we got to mention that this was crazy as far as trades go, man. Like 43 trades in total over the weekend, the most ever made during a draft weekend. What do you think contributed to that, like, as opposed to other years? Like, why was this the most trades? I think we're starting to see a lot of teams realize the value in trading down. And I think like it's, it's kind of a split 50, 50 down the league of teams that realize the analytical value of trading down and getting more dart throws and kind of the older school teams saying, you know, we want our guy, we're going to get up and get our guy and teams that want to be aggressive teams that are buying in now, you know, you look at teams like this, then then there's just completely weird reasons like the Pittsburgh Steelers moving up from 17 to 14. And it came out in a report today that Bill Belichick did that just to screw with the Jets, uh, who were probably going to take Roger Jones at 15. That was a guy that they were linked to in the whole pre-draft process. And the Steelers jump up and only have to give up a fourth round pick when reportedly the Patriots could have got a third round pick for that move. Um, so it, I was very surprised to see no player for draft pick trades. Like that was a big thing last year. Obviously we saw pre-draft. There was a lot of, you know, we saw Devonte Adams. We saw Tyree kill. Um, and then on draft night, we saw AJ Brown get moved and we had a lot of trade requests come out. Um, Deandre Hopkins and Buda Baker, notably, obviously both on the Cardinals. Um, one sneaky one that I know Mitchell mentioned to me was like Dexter Lawrence was supposed was sitting out of, uh, was sitting out of Giants OTAs and he wants to get paid like all these other big edge ru- or interior <sighs> rushers. Maybe that could have happened, but there were ultimately no player for pick trades, which I, I thought that that was going to become the new thing is these teams uh, that are like on the cusp buying into that <clears throat> known commodity. And we just didn't have a whole lot of that happen. 
Excuse me. But, yeah, I agree. And it also, like, there was rumors that Derrick Henry even might be moved around at some point because his name was being thrown around in trade rumors. And it was a question whether or yeah, not. Yeah, and we did we did have DeAndre Swift. It just yeah. I just kind of got forgotten because it was on day three. Like, when I say that, I mean, like, guys getting traded for first-round picks. Like, we saw a lot last year and even, like, I believe it was three years three years ago now where uh, Stefan Diggs got traded to the Bills for a first-round pick and, you know, trades like that that we didn't see any of this year. Yeah, and the Titans were rumored to be moving up, too. A lot of people, uh, Peter Schrager mm-hmm. had them moving up in almost every mock that he did, um, had them left. And there was even there was even some late rumors of Hopkins being involved in that trade-up where it would be like 11 um, – or three and DeAndre Hopkins for like 11 and some other stuff in that package as well. So, but ultimately none of that happened. I I do think, and we'll talk about the Cardinals briefly in a moment, but I do think it's interesting that they had those two guys uh, make relatively public trade requests. Neither of them got moved. Draft came and went the Cardinals. Like we know that it's going to be a down year for them, especially with the pick that they acquired that again, we'll talk about in a minute, but now Hopkins is like, who said I wanted to leave we haven't heard that from Buda Baker now, and obviously he wants to get paid, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do with those two guys, especially considering that this is not going to be a year where they try and compete to make the playoffs or really even win games. Yeah, I, w- I was really surprised to see that D-Hop didn't go on draft day somewhere, especially the first day. Like I thought Baltimore obviously was an obvious landing spot for him, um, but you know, with just paying Lamar, you know, that's going to work. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an interesting draft to say the least, but without further ado, let's dive right into it, man. And the first team that we got to talk about, uh, made some draft day esque type moves. Kevin Costner, um, in (laughs) kind of making his mold on the Texans draft day. Um, I don't know if there's any draft day fans out there, but it kind of felt like that. Um, because you had Stroud going at two, the Texans always had that number two pick, and then here's where we started to get interesting. Bryce Young obviously goes one, Stroud goes two, and then we knew after that that all the dominoes were going to kind of fall, and it would be more interesting at one and two, and damn, did it happen. Uh, The Texans ended up trading back into three to get the guy that some people had had them mocking in the first place, uh, which was Will Anderson. They got Anderson in exchange for 12, 33, and the 2024 first and third round picks, which is kind of steep. I mean, basically three firsts for Will Anderson. Uh, 12 and 33 were eventually traded for Paris John. I guess that's an easy way to look at it. But do you think that that was worth it for the Texans up to three? What are your thoughts? It's really hard to justify, and you can like sit here and play mental gymnastics with it, where like, oh, well, if they took Will Anderson at two, that it, like just think about it like that, where they trade up for C.J. Stroud at three, but it it, it really isn't like that because ultimately, you know, if you really wanted C.J. Stroud, which it seems like they did, and they played it smart by taking C.J. Stroud at two, so then that way they they didn't get that like fifteen twenty percent bump of I'm we're trading up for a quarterback, in addition to the fact that. You know, teams like the Titans, teams like, you know, maybe the Falcons Raiders, who really knows, would be calling to trade up to three for C.J. Stroud, whereas I don't think anybody's calling up to trade for Will Anderson. I think it's a culture move more than anything. It's a, you know, we have had not really any good players since the whole Deshaun Watson debacle happened, and we need to get good players in the organization. We need to make strides towards winning, which 
I got to commend him for that. But to give up four picks, four players for one edge rusher that I like a lot, I, I can't see any way that he returns this value, even if he is like one of the two to three best edge rushers in the league. Because it, it kind of got lost in the in the flurry of draft night. And I know I was thinking, I wasn't even thinking about it, was they have Cleveland's pick next year. They very well could have found a way to offer that Cleveland first round pick next year as opposed to their own. Because if you go look at the Super Bowl odds that just came out uh, after the draft, they have the second worst Super Bowl odds in the NFL behind the Arizona Cardinals, who was the pick they traded it to. So the Cardinals could very well be picking at one and two next year in a class with Caleb Williams, who is a legit like franchise altering, could very well come into the league, be a top half quarterback as soon as he gets drafted. And you just gave up an opportunity to go get that guy for an edge rusher and a quarterback that, you know, a lot of people liked. I had him as QB three. I just don't see the like high, high end with him. Um, so we'll see how that works. But again, I think they're just trying to make, trying to make strides towards winning. And I got to respect him for that. Yeah, for sure. You got to respect him for doing that. Also to make Ryan's like, as he comes in, they start off firing. So like you said, it's kind of a culture move. Um, it's a new age. Houston type deal um but some of the thoughts on Anderson at least that I was hearing are that like he'll never be that like super superstar like he'll be a really solid player in the league and maybe gets a couple pro bowls here and there but he's never gonna win like here see I I never like I looked through a little bit of his tape just because like I didn't watch a whole lot because I've been relatively busy but Will Anderson was like I never really understood why he was getting that conversation because one of the main things it was, it reminded me a lot of the Aiden Hutchinson versus Trayvon Walker debate of last year, where it was Will Anderson versus Tyree Wilson this year of just arguing like, what is his, what is Will Anderson's ceiling? And it reminded me a lot of Aiden Hutchinson last year where you've got the Tyree Wilson, who's the project and you know, he's got the arm length. He's got all the physical tools that you want, but he's going to have to like, you hope that Tyree Wilson can become what Will Anderson is the same way you hope that Trayvon Walker can become what Aiden Hutchinson is. And I just think that ultimately the NFL as a whole is just kind of overthinking it with, you know, that he's not going to be that good. I think that he could be a pro bowler like this year. Like, I I don't think that's crazy. And I think that he does have that all pro ceiling. I don't think he's going to be Lawrence Taylor, but I think he could be like a multiple time all pro guy, um, especially with a defense that's going to scheme him up. Um, and this, this definitely felt like this had D'Amico Ryan's handprints on it. You know, he's an Alabama guy himself goes up and gets an Alabama edge rusher. So I like the player. I like the spot. It's just the fact that they had to move up that far to do it and how much they had to give up to do it is kind of where I find issue. Right. I see as I'm sitting here, I'm trying to think of comparisons. For, like he's kind of small for an edge rusher. He's not as big as Von. Like yeah, okay. late career Von Miller is kind of what a lot of people came to Khalil Mack, like later career Khalil Mack was also another thing. Um, he looks like but, he might play yeah, some linebacker just, in the league though. It's like, instead of playing, edge. God, I hope not. If, if they, if they do like what the Cowboys have done yeah. with Micah Parsons, where you, and obviously Micah Parsons came in as an off ball transitions to an edge. Whereas if, if they transition, Will Anderson to play any off-ball linebacker, that just makes this pick 10 times worse because, like, you're really pushing it with positional value to trade up for an edge. If you do that for an off-ball, I mean, we're we're sitting there slamming the Lions, who we'll talk about in a little bit. We're slamming the Lions for taking a linebacker at 18. 
if if the Texans play Will Anderson at all at all fall linebacker, drafting him at three, somebody's Casario's not going to be drafted next year. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, but. Let's move on from uh, the Texans, and as we mentioned, they made that trade with Arizona to get Will Anderson at three, and let's look at their side of the deal. As I mentioned, uh, they got 12, 33, and a 2024 first-round pick from the Texans, which could end up being a top-five pick, uh, most likely will end up being a top-five pick, um, and a third-round pick. Um, 12 and 33, as I mentioned, were traded for Paris Johnson, um, but... I think I like Arizona's side of this. They got new leadership over there, and I think this is a good first move for them. Uh, they get there. I think that they were going to go Paris Johnson at three regardless. Like, even if nobody called, I think that they were going to go Paris Johnson at three. But they ended up getting some value. They ended up getting some picks back, including a 24 first, and they get their guy anyway at six. So what do you think, man? Yeah, this is a this is a hell of a first draft for uh, Monty Austinfort in his first year at GM. I remember I was as I was watching the draft, I was like, "Yep, they're gonna bleed the clock here. They're gonna try and take any calls that they can, and at the very last second, if they don't get any, they're gonna run the card in." And I think it's gonna be Paris Johnson. And shout out to Lance Zerline because he mocked this this happening where the where the Texans trade up again, uh, like a week or so in advance, and everybody was like, "This is kind of insanity." Daniel Jeremiah you know, too. Here it is happening. Yeah. And we look at it now and like with those draft picks now with for Arizona, you are in a perfect, perfect spot to sit Kyler Murray all of this year. You know, I would have liked a lot better if they got like a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins and a third round pick for Buda Baker. And you just add more young players because I remember talking about it early last year and this was. This time last year, we were talking about the Cardinals. You know, they started seven and oh, they make the wild card game. They kind of you know, fall ass backwards into the playoffs and lose in the first round. But that roster really got picked apart and there wasn't a whole lot of talent on it. And this year it's even less, you know, you lose JJ Watt, you lose Zach Allen. And we thought they were going to lose D hop and Buda Baker. This is going to be the worst team in football next year with Kyler Murray, not playing snaps for them. At least I hope he doesn't because he only increases your chances of not getting that top five pick that you want to either take Caleb Williams or, um, trade out of it and hold on to Kyler Murray. But now you, as Monte Asaford, a new front office in there, you got a new coach in there. You have a clean slate pretty much with this roster. Like there are guys that they're drafting third, fourth, fifth round that are going to be starters for them because that roster is so barren of talent. You know, they even like another really underrated loss that they had was Byron Murphy, who was one of the better young slot corners in the league. Just let him go to Minnesota for nothing. There's going to be a lot of turnover here, but I think that's good because with Arizona, that team wasn't going anywhere anytime soon as it was currently constructed. And this is a great way to restart. I loved Paris Johnson. I wanted the Steelers to trade up for Paris Johnson. Like that was the guy. If we were going to trade up for a tackle, that was the guy I want, wanted. Um, obviously, end up getting Broderick Jones, but that is what it is. Uh, and you're you're not really giving up a whole lot here. You're giving up. I think it was because they had they had 34. And the Texans gave them 33, so they gave up one of those two to come up and get Paris Johnson along with that 12th pick that they got from Houston. So the trade really comes out to you're giving up three for Paris Johnson, a first-round pick next year, and a third-round pick next year, which I think is pretty solid because Paris Johnson can be your 
left tackle of the future for Kyler Murray. This was a guy that Kyler Murray wanted. We saw that tweet that came out that said last year he wanted, um, I think it was two years ago he wanted Rashawn Slater, and then the year before that it was Creed Humphrey, something along those lines. It might have been Tristan Wirfs might be the name that I'm thinking of. But maybe, hopefully they get this one right and get some talent around Kyler in Arizona. And also, last thing that I'll mention is it kind of seems like that Arizona management, the new GM over there, seemed like they kind of knew D-Hop didn't have too many options, and they kind of banked on him coming back. And it seems like that was a decent bet because, I mean, they didn't get any value for him back, but realistically, yeah, I mean, we just saw Swift, who's a lot. I, I know he plays running back, which is a risky proposition and all that that prior context but you know like he probably would have gone for what a third a fourth something like that it's not like you're getting crazy value back for him and you'll have one of the most notable wide receivers in the league next year who's already had good report Tyler you've seen it work out pretty well so I mean yeah the Arizona I, Cardinals I know that dog this is not year. I will not yeah I know avert from that. and let me tell you they're gonna be a lot worse this year so <laughs> and I know that it's kind of hard to think this way as an NFL GM and as an NFL coach and then even as NFL players as well, but it is in your best interest to lose as many games as you possibly can this year. And like Paris Johnson is perfect because Paris Johnson as one piece of a five-man offensive line isn't going to affect winning that much, especially with no Kyler Murray there. DeAndre Hopkins could affect winning. So if we got a third-round pick that was a guard or – a defensive lineman or something like that, that doesn't really impact winning on a rookie deal. I'd honestly almost rather have that, which is why I'm a little, you know, if I'm, if I was a Cardinals fan, I'd be a little unhappy that we didn't trade Deandre Hopkins because also he's only got one year left on his deal. So once this season is over where, you know, he's going to be looking around at a team that likely is going to be a three, four win team and be like, do I want to come back to this? Yeah. Like I've, I've only got one good contract left. Do I want to sit here for what, is all in all likelihood a rebuild when you know that he's going to have a market, you know, teams like Buffalo teams, like I would have said green Bay, but that's not the, the old green Bay Packers, you know, needing a mm, <laughs> needing a wide receiver all the time. Yeah. That, that's not even a thing anymore, but like the chiefs teams like that, that would love to have Deandre Hopkins. That's not even a thing anymore. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it, but just the trade, in a vacuum is fantastic, and I love the value. Yeah, and a good start for new Arizona. All right, let's move on from uh, the Texans-Cardinals talk, and let's move into arguably probably the biggest draft um, out of all 32 teams, and that was the... Might not even be the biggest draft in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Definitely made the most waves. How about I put it like that? Uh, Howie Roseman sent every GM in the league into a frenzy during draft weekend, drafting all the Georgia Bulldogs. As you can see, two of them lined up there. Um, but the Eagles really had one hell of a week. Let me recap it for you. So they traded up with Chicago from 10 to 9 to draft Jalen Carter. And that was, that was interesting for me because it seemed like Chicago – Jalen Carter would have been a fine fit in Chicago, to be honest. I thought that that was going to, that's where I mocked him. Uh, And in a last minute, like 20 minute mock draft that I put together, literally right before the draft. Um, But that's where I had him going. It made a lot of sense. And how he somehow convinces Chicago 
that you know, you don't you don't need the number one prospect after you don't it was some Jedi mind trick type shit. And they ended up getting from ten to nine to draft Jalen Carter, who obviously has had his pre-draft uh, worries from teams. Um, I liked how uh, Sirianni and Roseman, I don't know if you saw the clip, uh, where apparently some reporters talked to him about the incident that happened with the accident um, after the parade. They, some reporters talked to him afterwards, like right after the draft, and Howie Roseman and Sirianni were asked a question about it. They immediately shut it down. And I like that, man. Dude just got fucking drafted. He was literally crying on stage. Like, so happy to be there. And then all of a sudden, you're bringing up the shit that's been haunting him the past months. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Jalen Carter? Do you think he was the number one overall prospect in this draft? And how do you see him sliding in right next to Davis? And what are some of the uh, differences? No, Jalen Carter is clearly the better prospect. I mean, I think... This is the best place for him. I think this is a culture for him to come in, be successful. You know, this was a guy who you definitely like when the Cardinals were picking the three. I was like, that is a terrible idea. This is a team that doesn't have anything established at this point in time. New GM, new head coach, you know, uh, kind of a frantic mess right now. Um, But the Eagles, he comes in to a situation where he's got a lot of vets around him on the defensive line. Uh, he's got familiarity with guys like Nicobe Dean, guys like um, Jordan Davis, and then later on in the draft gets his you know running mate from this year, Nolan Smith, who's a locker room leader, um, a guy that you want to have in your locker room next to a guy like Jalen Carter to keep his head on straight. Uh, obviously, it's a conversation as to was this the right move for Chicago to do? Uh The only reason why I could imagine that they did this is if the off the field concerns, whether that be, you know, and the thing was, it wasn't just one issue with Jalen Carter. It was obviously the incident that involved uh, his teammates. It was him showing up to his pro day, 12 pounds overweight. It was him struggling to get through the drills and having to quit early through the drills. It was telling teams that we're picking outside of the top 10 that he's not going to work out for them. So there were a lot of flags that I was like, mm, I, re- I really don't like the uh, the profile this guy's putting together, but I don't think there's a better spot for him to end up in than Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as you mentioned, they took Nolan Smith at 30, who, correct me if I'm wrong, dominated at the Combine, and we thought he might go early. Um, because Oh, yeah. I mean, he was a guy getting, at, like, most mocks was going in the top 20, uh, leading up to the draft for a lot of those edge rush needy teams. He's a little smaller, and I think that that's why he uh, slipped a little bit. But I was surprised to see him fall all the way to 30. And, of course, Howie Roseman picks him up. I mean, I think what makes everybody so enamored, like at least the media world enamored with Howie Roseman and what kind of makes the NFL so frustrated is he keeps it simple. Yeah. He's like, okay – you guys don't like this guy for this reason, or you don't like him for this reason. We're just going to take him. We'll figure it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And quite honestly, they're just on an amazing hit streak of those guys. We remember a few years ago where in between that Super Bowl run that they made in 2018, they had a couple really rough drafts. You know, the J.J. Arcega-Whiteside pick over DK and AJ. They had the Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. And those picks were just like, hmm, why, why are we doing that? But – 
now he's just on a good run of it. And, you know, maybe in a few years he's on another bad run of it where he just picks a couple guys that he has a gut feel about and it doesn't work out. So we'll see on that. But as of right now, he's just – Howie Roseman's riding the heater is the best GM in football. Yeah, I mean, I can't. It, it, I saw an Eagles fan, uh, one of my, my roommate, uh, freshman and sophomore year, Ryan Asman, they, uh, is an Eagles fan. And I saw him the other day, and it's just like, how can you not be pissed at that guy? Like, how can you just not be pissed at Howie Roseman? Like, apparently, the rumor going around after the draft was that a lot of GMs were annoyed uh, with what Howie did in the draft. And honestly, dude, like, you hit the nail on the head. I wanted to say it, but congratulations you out first. They overcomplicate things. Like, other GMs just, like, overcomplicate the fuck out of it. Like, they just think, like, it seems like Howie is a madman running like a Madden franchise out here. But I think he I think he just drafts off a media consensus board. Mm-hmm. I think I honestly think that's got to be what it is. But I mean that like it makes your fans happy. Like just you can't be unhappy at how you can't be annoyed at Howie Roseman just because you aren't yeah. you can do the same things. You choose not to and then your fans are angry at you about it. Like Howie's getting all the praise from Eagles fans and every other team in the league and every other NFL fan. And I mean, I imagine you get jealous about that, but you are overcomplicating the shit out of everything. Like he just, he sees the best player. He knows the best players on the board and he goes for value. And I mean, like he doesn't overcomplicate it. Like other teams looking at Nolan Smith, at 30 for or J- even Jalen Carter at nine. It's like you look at those guys and you wonder it. A lot of teams start to psych themselves out. Why is this guy falling? What do, what do other teams they're calling into up? They don't know what's wrong with it. They're not confident in themselves. So I hats off to Howie for being fantastic GM and having the balls to pull off moves like this on half day. So hats off to them. Uh, but let's dive into more of the Eagles draft recap. They took Nolan Smith at 30. Uh, they took Keely Ringo. Is it Keely Ringo? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, Keely Ringo at 105. And that entire 2021 Georgia defense plays in the NFL now. Historic. And the Eagles have a decent amount of those guys. They have Davis, Nicole Dean, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and Keely Ringo. And they even added to their Georgia Bulldogs squad in trading for Detroit Lions running back DeAndre Swift. This is one of the craziest stories I've seen in a while just because it developed so quickly. Because as soon as... I mean, I guess there was some rumblings that he might get traded because they signed David Montgomery, uh, but he was going to, like, running back by committee with Jamal Williams all year. So that wasn't anything crazy. Um, but then the Lions, who we'll dra- dive into later, they draft Jameer Gibbs. Oh, shit. I just, at first, I thought this is classic Dan Campbell. They're going to run three running backs. It's not going to be a fantasy football-friendly offense at all. You won't be able to take anybody. But they'll win, win games, they'll keep the score low, and they'll throw the ball like 15 times and run every, run everybody into the ground with three really good running backs. Uh, but it's not what happened. They ended up trading DeAndre Swift the very next day. Uh, they traded a 7th and a 2025 fourth for DeAndre Swift, how he did um, after the Lions draft Gibbs in the first. Uh, to put some context into it, the Eagles did sign Rashad Penny, a lot of people were high on Rashad Penny stock, including uh, some members of the podcast here. Um, but 
the Eagles kind of have a stacked running back room as well now. I mean, they have Boston Scott still. They have Kenny Gainwell, who do did get meaningful snaps next year. So you put Swift alongside those three other guys. What is the Eagles? What do the Eagles look like next year? What's uh, the outlook on Swift? What are you thinking, man? I mean, as far as Swift goes, I kind of think that he slots perfectly into that Miles Sanders spot. Now that kind of leaves. Well, what do we do with Rashad Penny? Because there was nobody with a Rashad Penny type role. Um, somebody made a tweet that said, you know, the eight weeks before DeAndre Swift gets hurt, the DeAndre Swift's going to be great. And once that happens, Rashad Penny's going to be great until he gets hurt. And then it'll be Kenny Gainwell's turn. Cause those are two guys with some pretty lengthy injury histories. Obviously Rashad Penny's is a little bit more lengthy than, uh, Swift's, but on the Lions side of it, or what, yeah, we'll, we'll save the Lions for a minute, but the Eagles are going to be the, I think they, they had a lot of concerns coming into this offseason. You know, they had a lot of guys that were slated to hit free agency. They bring back Jason Kelsey. They bring back uh, Brandon Graham. They bring back Slay. They bring back Bradbury. They all, they, uh, yeah, they end up losing CJ Gardner Johnson, which does kind of suck for them. So it was really crucial for them, in my opinion, uh, in that Super Bowl run. But, they're gonna be they're gonna be really good again. Like I, just, I don't know what else to say. They're gonna be really good again as long as they can stay healthy. As long as those two receivers can stay healthy. As long as Jalen Hurts can stay healthy. I just I don't see any way that they aren't one of the two or three best teams in the NFC again. Yep, and we'll get into it later. They just gave their quarterback a bunch of money too, uh, so that always helps. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they made it to the fucking Super Bowl last year, and they've only gotten better since then. That equation usually turns mm-hmm. out to winning a Super Bowl. Uh, but that's you would think that's yet to be. I personally, I'm a huge DeAndre Swift fan. Um, I was a huge fan when he came out of Georgia, and then I was a huge fan. Uh, I was watching Hard Knocks, and the Lions gave him so much good publicity. Man, like was that like a fucking scheme? I I don't understand. It had. I think it had because it. All last year, it felt like there just wasn't – there was just a disconnect between Dan Campbell and Swift because we always saw Jamal Williams getting the goal line touches, which I understand because Jamal Williams is much more of a goal line back. I remember saying to one of my buddies that I was watching the draft with, I was like, I think at like pick 25, the Lions are just going to have a oh shit moment where they remember that they signed David Montgomery to a three-year deal. Um, but clearly this was all calculated. Uh the the value i mean we we have i don't even know if we've mentioned uh, can we just move on to the lions i want to talk about the lions i'm just i'm i'm so mad about this um last thing like well i mean god i'm just still caught up like they said he'd run a thousand yards and catch a thousand fucking yards of yak like that's what they said he he was gonna be a thousand he was going to be in a thousand thousand guy. That's what they said. They kept saying he was special. And obviously that was all bullshit. This has been a very elaborate plan to make the stock go up on DeAndre Swift and then trade him uh, on draft day. So congratulations mm-hmm. to the whole crew up in uh, Detroit. But let's dive into it. That crew up in Detroit. GM Brad Holmes made four trades over the weekend. And he started off by trading down to 12 and drafting Jameer Gibbs, which, as we mentioned, kind of kicked off this whole whip thing. And then they drafted Jack Campbell at 18, which is a classic Campbell pick. Um, but they now have Gibbs and Montgomery headed into the backfield next year. 
I mean, we've really already talked about Swift, but do you think it was time to move on from them? Or are you confident in the duo they got going this year? I mean, I think the I think it was kind of time to move on from DeAndre Swift. I didn't think that this was the way that they do it. Because um, the, the big conversation point around the Lions in this draft is, the positional value that they targeted and they've done so well over the last few years of, of being very smart with their picks and using them on high value positions. And then in this draft, they use what is their last draft of access draft capital capital from the Rams on the Matt Stafford trade. You're picking at six, you're all, you're picking at 18 with your own pick and you have the opportunity to, you know, get a Tyree Wilson. You know, they could have moved up to grab an Anthony Richardson they could have moved up to grab a Will Anderson. Um, and like Anthony Richardson sits behind golf and there's your quarterback for the next, you know, five, six, maybe 10 years, who knows, um, in this week NFC. And I just can't wrap my mind around using it on running back, which is the least valuable position in football. Linebacker, who is the second value, least valuable position. Tight end, who's not in that, or which is not in that elite positional value and safety, not in that elite positional value. And it fills holes, which I guess is good when you're trying to go in on this team in a weak NFC and you think you've got a shot now that Rogers is out of the division, but man, it just, it just feels like this was such a short sighted draft. And like, you can sit here and do mental gymnastics where they take Brian branch at 12 and Jameer Gibbs at 18. And, you know, you kind of feel a little bit better about it, but just the capital that they invested, I can't, I can't make it work for me to like it. Like I, I like Jameer Gibbs, I like Jack Campbell, I love Brian Branch as players, but where they picked them outside of Brian Branch, I think Brian Branch at forty-five is a value. But even, even looking at Sam Laporta with Michael Mayer picked just one pick after that, like Michael Mayer was a first-round guy, and you take Sam Laporta, I, I can't. I can't like I mean, this. I can't. Sam Laporta at on some mocks was a first round, and I mean, Michael Mayer was a first round pick okay, on a lot more mocks. That's fair, but he went the pick before. Can't do anything about that. And he went the pick after. Oh, he went the he? pick after. Michael Mayer was after Laporta. I mean, there yeah. and obviously there was something up with Michael Mayer. That's a whole different conversation because he should have gone on day one. Didn't they even had like. All the videos and stuff prep for him to go day one, and they didn't end up. They had to scrap all of it, uh, just like Levis. Um, but <laughs> just name name dropping my quarterback ball into uh, what pick was it? Thirty three. Which we thirty three. Um, but I kind of disagree with you. I guess, like, I mean, you got to think about it. Yes, running back least valuable position in football to most teams but are we looking at most teams here like dan campbell is kind of changing how we look at things yeah but he doesn't he doesn't call plays it's ben johnson and that offense like they obviously they used jamal williams last year that was a high-powered offense last year that passed the ball a lot with jared goff and it worked. It's not like they were doing this and they were losing a lot of games. I mean, I know they, they just missed the playoffs, but once they started to flip to that more more up-tempo offense, they won, like, I think, seven of their last nine, something like that. I mean, they finished, I think, nine and eight they after starting one and seven. They did run clear running back by committee, though. 
and like a very clear. Yeah, but they could have had a running back by committee without yeah, drafting Jameer Gibbs. They could have ran David Montgomery and DeAndre Swift. Like when they came into the draft, I was like, that makes sense. Okay, they'll they'll use Swift and Montgomery the same way they used Swift they and Williams hated. last year. And now they you've essentially them. swapped. They hated DeAndre Swift. So if you hate the guy that you're going to be running a running back by committee with, and that mean a running back by committee in Detroit means a lot more than anywhere else because that was a big. They don't run. They, I mean, draft Kendra Miller at 71. Draft Tajay Spears or draft, at 81. Devon A. Chain, 84. Tank Bixby, 88. Charbonnet in the second round. Like, use this. Lucas Van Ness is still available. You could have solidified that edge group. You could have traded back again from 12. I mean, and if you just stayed at six, Tyree Wilson, Jalen Cart, like the same draft that we're sitting here praising the Eagles for, the Lions could have had. They could have taken Jalen Carter at six. They could have taken Nolan Smith at 18. They could have done that. I saw uh, Mike Renner put out a tweet saying that the Lions walked to a steakhouse and ordered a hamburger. And that's exactly how this okay. feels. I, I look, and I understand the Lions like hamburgers, but you went to okay. steakhouse. You had steakhouse money. Okay. And you ordered a hamburger. No cheese, okay. just okay. hamburger. I, I can see your argument for sure. I think Jameer Gibbs, I think we got him. He's not a Bijan Robinson, but he was. Yeah. He's a very good player. I and like, as far as I running back Gibbs prospects coming and out, I remember of the past hearing few years, like, him and Bijan are probably top five out of the past like what five years. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's in front of Brees. I think he's in front of Najee as much as that pains me. And then fourth round running backs but are slim. Not I don't think he's in front of those two guys by much. I think Bijan B, like well maybe we'll get into Bijan. I don't know, but Bijan is such a tier above everybody that. I think that kind of moved Jameer Gibbs up. Like the further Bijan went up on draft boards was the further Jameer Gibbs was going to go up. Because like when we saw Bijan getting mocked, you know, the back half of the first round, we weren't seeing anything about Jameer Gibbs. But the further now the Falcons take him at eight, now everybody's like, well, you know, we need a running back. Jameer Gibbs is like maybe right behind Bijan. If they're taking him at eight, we could justify taking him at 12, right? But and the the thing that the thing that confused me and the thing that I think was a lie was Dan Campbell saying that he got multiple calls saying that if he didn't take him at 12, teams were going to take him behind them. So we look behind him. Green Bay Packers already have two running backs that are pretty good. The New England Patriots might have. I think that that's a real possibility. Jets no. Well, the Jets Commanders ended up running, drafting a running Steelers, back. Steelers no. And the Lions the back at 18. Up. Yeah, but they drafted one at like 80. I mean, you're not taking Brees Hall yeah. after the year that he had I last agree. year. I agree. I don't know why the and Jets then, drafted a running back at in least general. Maybe started out. Who did the, when did they take him? Yeah, in they the took him late. Fifth? I was watching it on day two and three. Yeah, they, but. yeah. But you got to have depth there. I think I, I know your boy Michael Carter's still there. Um, but with the injury history that Brees has, you want to have a guy that, you know, if not that there's an extensive injury history, but coming off the torn ACL, you just want to have fair. some insurance there. But I don't know, man. I think, like I said, I think they walked into a steakhouse and got a hamburger. And I think they're going to be regretting this two to three years from now when they realize, man, we could have been, could have, we could have our franchise quarterback. And now they're going to be stuck with Jared Goff, you know, until whenever. Cause you, you can't, what are you going to do? You either trade away your own first round picks 
to go get a legit guy, or you just stick with Goff. And I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. Sorry. But you could win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that was being mocked in the first round by some, and that is ended. Hooker. The old man. The ACL injury. No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't because Hendon Hooker Hendon Hooker is Jared Goff. If if Hendon Hooker works out, he's Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean that And I think that that's what a lot of teams were seeing is like, well, if he gets healthy, we'll have a Jared Goff type quarterback, a Kirk Cousins like quarterback on a rookie contract for the next four years, and that's our window. And that's where the appeal came from. But Anthony Richardson, if Anthony Richardson pans out, yeah, you have Cam Newton. Like, that's what you could have hey. right now. If Anthony Richardson didn't work out at quarterback, you could have used him like you're going to use Jameer Gibbs. But were the Lions in a position to draft Anthony Richardson? No. He went at four. They could have traded up. I don't know. I Overall, I think I disagree with you for the most part. I do like the – they got big names in the draft, bro. They traded up to 45 to draft Brian Branch. They got good players, don't? And look, yeah, Brian Branch was a guy that I mean, hell, I think in my second to last mock, I had him being mocked to the Eagles at ten. Like I love Brian. He was in Branch. the green room, and I think he's going to be a yeah, phenomenal like he, player with him. But everything before that, just value wise, okay. can't get with it. If they would have drafted all these guys in the second round, I'd have been walking out saying the Lions had the best draft of anybody. But I think there was a lot. I mean, I'll talk about it when it gets to the. There was a lot of, we know who our guy is, I want to go our guy. And it seems like Jameer Gibbs was the guy. Yeah, and Jack that, Campbell I think, definitely the guy. That part of it, I think, is Dan Campbell. I think he had, oh, I really like this kid. You know, And props to him, because they're going to get Campbell's soup sponsorships like out the ass between Dan and Jack. They're, they have secured that. Uh, they've secured yeah. that money. So, you know, props <laughs> to him. That's a money That's move. That's exactly what he, what he made. That's gonna pay. That's gonna pay for his contract. Um, to wrap up the Lions' thoughts real quick. I mean, the Lions haven't really been good in our lifetime, man. I mean, are the Lions finally gonna be like not just having a one-off year and ducking for the next five? Like, are they actually gonna be consistently good under the Dan Campbell leadership? Now, consistently is tough to say because the only teams that like we can say consistently for the next five years are going to be good are Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Baltimore. Probably, I mean, now with um, and Philly, Bar Jackson, um, Philly, and like you know, I don't even know if we're putting Jacksonville in that tier with Trevor Lawrence. I was going to say Chargers, but I probably wouldn't say that Um, right now. Well, because, yeah, dumb shit happens to them. God bless. God bless you, Mitchell. But I think the Lions, like, if you were talking about next year, I think the Lions would have been okay without doing this. Now, I think this year, this helps them a lot. It fills a lot of needs for this year, uh, and it probably makes you a lot better for this year. You know, Jameer Gibbs can be used as a receiver in the short term while you're missing Jamison Williams. Um, Jack Campbell, I think, could very well be, like, a Pro Bowl linebacker, but it's just a thought of what could have been like, how much better could we have made this team three, four years from now? And even if you're like, well, we really made our team better this year. Are you winning a Super Bowl this year? Like that's the only way that I would justify these picks is if you know, like you've got a locked and loaded top five quarterback, a really good defense. And these are just the couple spots you needed to fill to make yourself a Super Bowl team. Like if the Eagles made these draft picks, I'd be like, 
that's fine. But yeah, seemed like a very Dan Campbell draft. I mean, what do you expect out of a staff of all ex NFL players? I mean, they're gonna go the big name college yeah. guys, and that. I mean, if you just look at yeah. like, if you take out where they drafted them, like if you don't know where these guys were drafted at all, and you just mention the names that they drafted, I mean, they're good players. They're great players, and I think that that's a great draft. Maybe value, you can argue about that, but overall, I think draft. But all right, damn. They didn't even get to fucking use the Lions picture, man. God. Yeah, dude, what the hell? I was, I was just sitting there thinking. I'm like, it didn't even occur to me. I'm like, we're sitting here talking about the Lions, and you've got the fucking Eagles picture. Huh? God damn it, man. Whatever. There's Jameer Gibbs on your left here. There's Jack Campbell, the also, other first-round pick. <laughs> Go ahead. Fun thing that I found out, because I like was looking for these pictures, this looks exactly the same as last year. When they did their press conference with their two first-round picks last year, they had a shorter African-American fellow with dreads on the middle left. They had a white defensive player, tall defensive player on the right, Dan Campbell on the left, and Brad Holmes in a Nike tracksuit on the right. Exact same layout and everything in back-to-back years. If you don't know who we're talking about, Jameson Williams and Aiden Hutchinson looked the exact same in their photo last year. Yeah, but shit's crazy, man. Um, well, enjoy this picture of the Lions right here. Take it in. I try to uh, soak it in with the. Just leave it up for the next one. We'll just be like a picture behind on all the all of our conversation all right, points. That sounds like a plan. First, first pod back in two months. You know, that's how we usually run this joint. But what we want to talk about next is the new generation of quarterbacks. I mean, we've been hyping up this quarterback draft class for. I can remember in basically two years. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for three and a half years, and we've seen this quarterback prospect or quarterback class um, on the horizon, and it's finally here. Bryce Young went one to the Panthers. DJ Stroud went two to the Texans. AR-15, Anthony Richardson. AR-15, by the way, one of the coolest nicknames in football right now. Um, now that he's, I think he did say that he was going to denounce that because of the, you know, like the whole assault rifle yeah, gun negative control. connotation thing. That probably makes yeah. sense. Uh, a shit ton of people yeah. are still going to call him AR-15. So, oh yeah, good luck. And with if that. he wears 15, he's just gonna. It, it's just, it's not going to change. But yeah, good luck with that. Then, uh, but he went for the Colts, uh, and then my boy Will Levis had to sit in the green room and. I mean, he didn't look like he was too down bad because he had eight women with him at the draft. So he was doing okay. Give or take. Yeah, something like that. A bunch of them are Snapchat famous now after one night. But anyway, he goes the second round of the Titans. And Hendon Hooker, I wanted to include him on this list. Uh, third round to the Lions. So which quarterback do you think has the best situation? And which do you think is best set up for success? Because we've broken down the best quarterback, like who we would rank as far as talent goes 100 times over. But what quarterback has the best situation? Who's best set up for success? I honestly think out of those top four, it's, it's Anthony Richardson for me. I think you've dropped him into a spot now where he is with an offensive mind that has worked with a quarterback 
of his archetype in the past with Jalen Hurts, uh, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator coming over from Philly, now the head coach in Indy, worked with Jalen Hurts, built him to be the player that he is, the MVP candidate, the guy that just was the highest paid player in the NFL for a week and a half. Um, and Anthony Richardson is that like on steroids. Like he is, you know, Jalen Hurts, if he got blown up by about 20 or 30 pounds and two or three inches, like he's going to be an insane project to work on. And if it hits the Colts have their guy for, you know, the next 10 years, the most obvious comp to me is Cam Newton. Like, and we remember Cam Newton, despite what we think of him as now, and, you know, maybe the success he had in his career, he was an MVP. He went to a Super Bowl. Like, we, I think that oftentimes gets forgotten about when we're talking about the great quarterbacks of this last generation. Cam Newton gets forgotten. He won an MVP. And if Anthony Richardson can win an MVP, you know, you've got Jonathan Taylor next to him, which as well, I think is part of the great situation is you can run those options and stuff, and they can run the ball all game with Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. And it's going to be almost impossible to stop as long as both of those guys stay healthy. And this is an offensive line that two years ago we were talking about as one of the best offensive lines in the league. Now, last year it did take a really, really harsh step back uh, with that left tackle spot, really not being able to be figured out. And Matt Ryan being a uh, borderline paraplegic. You now add Anthony Richardson in there. It kind of buffs that offensive line a little bit. And, You've still got Quentin Nelson. You've still got Ryan Kelly. You've still got Braden Smith, guys that can be more than serviceable offensive linemen. Quentin Nelson is an all-pro at his best. And this is a conversation that we've had with Lamar a lot um, as being one of those other rushing, prior, primarily rushing quarterbacks in the NFL is while it is preferred, you don't need receivers around him to have success. And the Colts main problem over the last few years is who are they throwing the ball to? You know, you've got Michael Pittman in there. Who's a solid player. You got Alec Pearson there. Who's a solid player, but it's not like if you dropped Bryce young in here or CJ Stroud in here, where you've got to kind of rely on other guys to make plays. They, they don't really have to do that. And Anthony Richardson can just be instant offense for you. And you're now in a division where there's two other rookie quarterbacks. So if Anthony Richardson can go up and make that step early they could be at an advantage in this division that is probably the weakest in football right now. No, the NFC South, but second, second weakest in football. Yeah. I a quick question for you. like, as I'm thinking about it, AR 15 is like the great, I guess I should stop calling him that. Uh, but he's the great, he's a great like comparison between Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. Cause he's not as big as Cam Newton was. Cause that was something that went under no, the radar. He's- I think he's bigger. Like, as far as weight goes, like, Cam Newton, bro, there's no way he's bigger than Cam Newton. Cam Newton was like, I mean, you could look up I will look it up. If you he was over, like, 250. Like, he was a fucking... He's 245.65. Cam? Anthony Richardson is... 6... God damn. 6'4", So he's a little bit lighter, but he's faster than Cam Newton. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. And... But he runs like watching him run is so much more like watching Cam Newton because Lamar makes you miss. Anthony Richardson will run through you like he is. He is a wrecking ball when he's got the football in his hand. I really like he was my QB, too. I love the floor that he brings. And we saw that with Justin Fields uh, this season where, you know, he may not be the greatest passer yet, but he can provide you so much on the ground that can keep your offense afloat for a little bit. And. 
I think that's a lot of where his value is going to be this first season. The one part of this landing spot for him that I don't like is that he's not in a position to sit behind somebody. That's why I liked Detroit. You know, even I know this was more of a long shot, but like Minnesota teams that would come up and he would sit for a year behind X quarterback and then he'd come in in year two and be the starter and be the future. Whereas now, unless they decide to go Gardner Minshew early, which I think would be a pretty big red flag of like, oh shit, this might be not good if they've got to start Gardner Minshew day one. Um, he's going to be starting day one, and that might hurt him a little bit because the Colts are, if if he plays well, they're in a position to win. And I think he might develop some bad habits to try and do so that are going to hurt him down the road. Yeah, I think so too. It's being a big boomer bust pick. Um, do you think one last thing before we move on from AR uh, Anthony Richardson? Before we move on from Anthony Richardson, you can stick. Oh, I guess AR also kind of has the negative kind. It's whatever. It is what it is. We're we are not a uh, large enough publication to be really worried about. Uh, I think that's politically fair. correctness. I'm just scared. Like at some point, both of us are going to be GM somewhere, and then one day they're going to and because this we call podcast. Anthony Richardson AR15, we're going to get fired. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're going to go. Into I'm the... so scared that one day we're both going to be NFL GMs. Like it's just, oh, oh, it scares the fuck a, out of me. It's such a, uh... <laughs> it's a high stress situation. But last thing, do you think? I mean, I know he's not, like you said, he doesn't make guys miss like a Lamar Jackson. He can, uh, but he's not the same mold as a Lamar Jackson. But you think if, who two guys we'll talk about later, and also got eight big bags of money, um, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, if these guys don't play as well as they have over the last like couple years, do you think an AR-15 goes four? That's the last time they'll say the nickname? I think, <laughs> I think honestly, more so than those two guys, it's like Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, where the last few years for like so long, it was, well, we want to see production in college. We don't like, we see your traits. That's fine. But why didn't you do anything with it in college? Now, when a, you know, I mean, Patrick Mahomes obviously put up numbers in college, but he was much more of a project coming in and he worked. Josh Allen was a project coming in and he worked. Justin Herbert borderline was a project when he came into the league and he worked and now once teams started to see that they're like oh shit well maybe traits are what we should be targeting here so that's why trey lance goes at three that's why justin fields goes at 10 that's why you know we were talking about malik willis at two last year that's why anthony richardson goes at four is because teams now want the tools and to try and develop the tools because the guys that don't have them just are never going to be that and while there's like a 20 percent chance that anthony richardson hits that ceiling if he hits that ceiling, you have one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. All right. I'm going to dive into my quarterback that I think has the uh, the best situation and his best setup for success. And some people might think I'm trying to troll out here. I'm not. I genuinely love this pick, and I genuinely loved it when it came across my TV screen. Um, but my pick is Hendon Hooker, kind of the guy who's been forgotten about um, among those top four quarterbacks, definitely some clear, obvious differences from a young Estrada Richardson and a Levis. Uh, but this guy's a dog, man. Like a lot of came, a lot came out of the draft that this guy was a clear leader with it, like a champion's mentality, which is a lot. We've heard that from a lot of different prospects, but the guy saying it was Peyton Manning. Like, and I know he's got the Tennessee bias and everything, 
But obviously Peyton Manning is a good indicator of a guy who has a championship mentality, the ability to lead a locker room, all those things. He has a lot of passion for the game. And that's something that like guys like Stroud, Young, Richardson, they lacked because they had the talent. They didn't really have the passion like he does. And what he lacks for in the physical traits that those guys have, he makes up for it with football IQ and leadership. Does it say, It sounds like I'm putting together a Dan Campbell player. Like, if Dan Campbell were to get in the lab and put together his ideal quarterback, I feel like this is what you're putting together. A guy who loves the shit out of football and is a leader and takes control of a room. And he, like, what do you, like I said before, what do you expect out of a staff full of ex-NFL players. So, perfect fit for Dan Campbell QB. High-energy guys who have a genuine love for the game. And every time Levis or Hooker came up for Detroit, I thought they'd be good fits because their intensity and their love of the game and all that good shit. Like, I thought it was a classic Dan Campbell pick. Doesn't end up going Levis, goes Hooker, but... I think it makes a lot of sense, and Hooker would have been a more clear fit in Detroit. They didn't already have a quarterback, but they do have Jared Goff. But let's not forget, prior to last year, Goff was, like, written off, man. Jared Goff was a bottom-five quarterback in the NFL, period. Lay it down. Nobody's debating you about that two years ago. And last year— Bottom 10, but yeah. And last year, like, I've always been a fan of Jared Goff. I've talked him up on this podcast before. But let's not act like he has one good season last year. And it's like, it was a good season. It wasn't a top 10 season. Was it? I mean, it was more around, like, 15. Yeah, top. Yeah, top 15, which there's value to that. Yeah. You know, when you've, when, you've built, when you've built the roster the way that Detroit has so well over the last few years, and you have a Jared Goff, you can make it work. When you do shit like you just did this year. Makes it a little bit harder. Fucking hated that draft. You know what? On second thought, I'm going to change my pick to Tanner McKee. (laughs) uh, Drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think that he is in a very good spot. You're so uh, mean. In the event that he gets the starting job. uh, I think, you know, with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, I think Tanner McKee can really develop into a legit guy for Philadelphia. Hear me out on the rest of my head and your hooker take before you start throwing out insulting fucking analysis uh but golf he was floating around 15 last year as far as all the quarterback ranks go he's not a franchise quarterback those are not franchise quarterback numbers and hooker still technically has that potential we haven't seen what he is in the nfl he could still be a franchise type of guy and golf is more fit for a pass happy pro offense like he ran Bay. We saw him do it very successfully. We saw him pass the ball well last year, but Detroit is anything but that. They're kind of a different style offense, and you can kind of tailor Hooker into exactly what they're looking for because he's a special offense at Tennessee. So I think golf starts the majority of the year, if not all of it. Don't get me wrong, but I think Hooker will be a good option. For- all right, I'm off my hand and Hooker soapbox. That was. I had a lot to say about Henning Hooker. Let's fucking go. I had to show some love for my boy. And he's a Tennessee volunteer, too. That'll show you. Hurts to say that. But I can't believe... I mean, not that he's in a great spot, but I can't even believe we're not even having a conversation about Levis. I know. Like, you, you didn't even... It's... I think... 
I think he's the clear because like I didn't even consider Hooker for this. I just was like of the top four guys. Um, I think Levis is a clear second here. Like I think Carolina is fine, but like you you drafted Jonathan Mingo in the second, who's a good player. But your number one right now is Adam Thielen. He's got maybe one to two more years left of productive football. You don't have Christian McCaffrey anymore. You got Miles Sanders, who's, again, fine. You got Hayden Hurst, who's fine. Ikea Kwanu drafted in the first round last year. So solid offensive line pretty much across the board now. And then Houston is kind of the same situation where you got an old wide receiver in Robert Woods. You got a running back that you like. You got Dalton Schultz, an offensive line that's fine. But I just I think that's such an average group around these young quarterbacks, which I think is going to kind of not help them succeed. I just something about AR with Jonathan Taylor, I think, is just going to pop year one and, you know, could help them obviously win a lot of games in the future. For sure. So now that we've wrapped up the uh, major draft talk and the major uh, draft stories that we wanted to talk about, uh, let's just touch on real briefly some of our favorite drafts uh, that we saw out of the weekend and some of our personal thoughts maybe on our uh, personal teams. Um, but I'll hand it off to you, man. Who were some of the drafts you liked this weekend? Well, uh, don't you worry because I'm not even going to waste any time because my favorite team is going to be part of my favorite drafts. I loved what Pittsburgh did uh, in this draft. Obviously, the first round go up and get uh, Broderick Jones. They don't have to give up very much to do so because Bill Belichick wanted to screw the Jets, which is fantastic. Uh, steal some value there with the tackle run happening early. And we also kind of read the fact that cor- <clears throat> excuse me, corners are falling. So we were able to attack that a little bit later. And we do exactly that by getting Joey Porter Jr., who's a guy that was mocked to us in 90% of mock drafts um, at 17. We get him all the way down at 32 um, with the first pick of day two. Then we get Keanu Benton at 49, who's going to be – I wouldn't say our Cam Hayward replacement, but kind of fits that role. He's going to, he's much more of a pass rushing interior player than a run stopper. Um, and then all the way down in pick 93, grab Darnell Washington, who is a guy who was getting first round uh, mock drafts or going in first rounds in mock drafts, uh, athletic freak. There were some concerns about a knee injury potentially being the case with him, but you know, if he ends up panning out, I think he's the perfect um balance that we have with pat fryermuth because he's much more of a blocker he's going to be extension of the offensive line whereas pat fryermuth is really not that and then you know we grabbed nick herbig fine player steelers with the old nepotism trick after we signed nate herbig this past offseason we go out and grab his brother of course we do and then Corey trice who was a guy was getting mocked in day two seventh round pick 241 just i think we got phenomenal value up and down the board field a lot of holes and, you know, I honestly think that we had the best draft of any team, and that includes Philadelphia, just because Philadelphia came in, you know, they had a top 10 pick, they had a pick at 30, they had a lot more assets than we did, and, you know, they got Jalen Carter, but I think we did a lot better in the middle rounds, uh, with, and also, again, with less draft capital, and we just, I, like I said, we just got value up and down the board and uh, filled a lot of holes. Really, every single need that we had was filled. Congratulations, man! Do you want to do you want a sticker? Yeah, you know, I mean, hey, 
I, I would actually love a sticker. If you had a sticker. <laughs> a plus um, NFL draft would, 2023. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll see if I can find one. Um, okay. I don't have, um, I kind of have a couple teams sprinkled around here um, as my favorite drafts, but I won't dive into it too much. Um, no, the commanders are not in one of my favorite drafts, um, but I'll dive into their thoughts a little later. Um, I did think that obviously we talked about the Lions, um, but I did think that the Rams did have a decent draft for not having a first round pick. They did pretty damn good, man. They got Steve Avila in the second who there were multiple mock drafts that had Steve Avila going in the first. Um, apparently Bill Belichick was really in on Steve Avila. Um, Chip Kelly was his head coach in college and he was hyping him up. Um, apparently I heard uh, it was in the ESPN broadcast, I think, um, that Kelly was kind of giving Belichick inside information on Avila. I'm kind of telling him like, if you're going to look at anybody, look at this guy, he could be a day one starter in the league, yada, yada, yada. And then the Rams kind of jumped, uh, the Pats for Steve Avila because they were right before him. Um, but great pick in the second, basically getting a first rounder. Uh, they get Stetson Bennett in the fourth. I mean, that's pretty cool. I guess that was kind of just notable though. Um, but I mean, Stetson Bennett, he could be a solid backup to Matthew Stafford. And obviously he's very clutch, um, do national championships. Um, they get Zach Evans in the sixth, but I think the main reason I'm happy with the Rams draft is they made 14 picks in total, which is huge for a team that lacked serious depth and rode literally with the mentality that they're saying, fuck these picks. Um, they've gone, been going with that mentality for the past three years. And it's good to see them get some depth in the draft. I also like the Raiders draft um, a little bit. Uh, that post-Mike Mayock era is starting to look uh, pretty sunny, in my opinion. They got Tyree Wilson at 7, which I think was huge. Uh, big boomer bust prospect, kind of like Trayvon Walker last year, rising draft boards last minute. Um, he was being projected at 2 in some mock drafts the Texans, but they get him at seven, which I think is good pickup. And they get a first round talent in Michael Mayer in the second to replace Darren Waller. Um, first round talent in a deep tight end class, which we've already talked about Michael Mayer. I think that's a great pick for uh, the Raiders. Uh, they got a Terp in the fourth round in Ja'Korian Bennett. And I am a fan of the Aiden O'Connell pick later on in the fourth. Um, he doesn't have the physical traits uh, that a lot of the guys have, but he was the best quarterback in college at one time or another last year, like multiple times throughout the year. He was the best quarterback in college. So I think he'll give Jimmy G some uh, good reps or <laughs> good competition in training camp. Who knows? He won't take over the job, but I think it'll be a fire under Jimmy G's ass a little bit. And who knows? Maybe O'Connell takes over at some point. And they did draft Christopher Smith uh, safety out of Georgia who was national championship legend in 2021, uh, another Georgia Bulldog that completes the set right there of the 2021 defense. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really solid draft for the Raiders. And last team that I'll mention, I thought the Dolphins had a decent draft for not having a first round pick for tampering. Um, really, I just want to mention, I thought Devin A. Chain was a great grab. Uh, they grabbed him late. Um, I wouldn't have been upset. I like he wouldn't have gone first round because of running backs, but I think he's a superb talent and he could be a fantasy football monster. I'll call it right here. He just has to beat out Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Miles Gaskin. And out of all three of those guys, none of them really want to take the backfield last year. 
So I think Devin A. Chain could come in there and really take it over. But as far as favorite drafts, those are my thoughts. Real quick on the Commanders. Um, we drafted Emmanuel Forbes in the first round. A lot of people hated on it. I was hating on it at first. Um, I mean, I hated on the Dotson pick last last year, and that ended up being a really good pick, at least in his rookie year. So if we like our guy and we don't really want to stray from the plan, that's what it felt like to me. We knew that Forbes was going to be our guy that we were going to take. Uh, we had a Christian Gonzalez available. We didn't think he would be available, but we stuck to our guns. That's kind of the vibe that I got. I wanted to go secondary alignment in the first round, so I guess I'm happy about the position. I know Mitchell absolutely flips his fucking shit over his weight, as a lot of other analysts are, but he weighed in over 180 at the combine, not 166 pounds, which I've heard like a thousand times. So he's good on the weight. He's still light, but he's not 166 pounds. And our defense lacks turnovers interceptions, big playability. Jason Wright was talking about it on McAfee the other day. And, I mean, this guy was Mr. Pick 6, literally nicknamed that by the SEC last year. So, and he ran one back against my Cats. So, you know, I've seen him do it before, and I'm happy, I guess, with that. I've convinced myself that I'm happy with the pick. And then kind of drafted the same guy in the second round in Martin. I'm happy about. And got Chris Rodriguez in the sixth. I guess that's, I mean... Overall, like an average draft, I don't know. Don't feel great about it. Yeah, I mean, I've got a, I've got a couple. I'll just, I mean, obviously, I talked about the Steelers as one of my favorites. Um, I really liked what the Giants did. Uh, they got Deontay Banks after he slipped a little bit. Was a top ten to twelve guy for a lot of people, and he's a. Um, and they also grabbed John Michael Schmitz in the second round, who I mocked to them three, four times um, in the first round, they get him at all the way down at 57. And then they grab Jalen Hyatt, who a lot of people had as a second round player. They grab him in the third round adds that deep threat that they don't really have. Uh, while I didn't really like anything that they did this off season, I like this draft a lot. So, you know, hopefully this is a redeeming quality for them. Um, kind of my team that didn't have a lot of draft picks or didn't have any top end draft picks, but ended up with a great draft, I think was the Cleveland Browns, man. They go grab Cedric Tillman, who a lot of people liked. I liked a lot. Um, Siaki Ika was a guy who did kind of fall throughout the draft process. He's, you know, big dominant run stopper. That is something that they've needed. They addressed that this offseason with Alvin Tomlinson. They are now add Siaki Ika as well. The only problem is he does kind of have a tendency to take plays off. You're like looking at him on tape and you see some plays where you're like, this guy is the most dominant player on the field. And then other times you wonder if he's even on the field. They also grabbed Dewan Jones in the fourth round, uh, who was, you know, one of the biggest talks of the senior bowl, I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way with how he acted after that, because after that first day at the senior bowl where he dominated, put up some crazy measurements, he did not show up the day two, day three, day four, didn't work out at the combine, didn't work out at his pro day, didn't really do anything football related from after that senior bowl day on. And I think a lot of people were like, well, that, you know, I think he knows that that was a fluke and that's why he's not working out. Um, and that's why maybe he fell to the fourth round. And as it came out today, he was telling teams that he wanted to go to the NBA. So that's certainly going to be fun as a, what, what is his measurements? A six, eight, three seventy four. Yeah. That's, that's going to play. <laughs> um, that's going to play Dorian Thompson Robinson. Even like I thought that the hype for him was kind of stupid, but in the fifth round, you got a guy that can back up to Sean Watson. That's, I think that's actually 
pretty good value. And then Luke Whipler in the sixth round was a guy who was right in that cluster of centers with Joe Tipman and John Michael Schmitz, who I just talked about. They get him all the way down in the sixth round. I think they got a lot of starters in this draft where they didn't have any premium draft capital. And then my last one of my favorite drafts um, I talked about a little bit earlier is the Arizona Cardinals. I think they absolutely did a fantastic job with getting out of that third pick, um, still getting a great player in Paris Johnson, who's going to be your starting left tackle probably for like the next 10 years. I really think he's that good. You add a starter in BJ Ojolari, who, you know, you can add to that edge room that you desperately need help at. You add Garrett Williams, who was one of the two or three best corners in this class, uh, at least coming into this college football season before he, uh, I believe tore his ACL. It was, I know it was a season ending injury um, corner from Syracuse. Michael Wilson, wide receiver from Stanford, was a guy that I liked a lot. I thought was probably going to slip into the second round or, you know, slip up into the second round, creep up into the second round. Um, Ultimately, didn't they pick him at 94? And even, you know, another quarterback, backup quarterback we're going to talk about here is Clayton Toon. You're not going to have Colt McCoy around forever, Arizona. So you got to pick your next Colt McCoy, and that could be uh, Clayton Toon here from Houston. So, and again, not only did you have a good draft just – as a whole, you added what could very well be the second overall pick or even maybe the first overall pick in next year's draft. Like, I think that, you know, while it's obviously being talked about a great deal, it's not being talked about enough. The Houston Texans <clears throat> gave up what could very well be a higher pick than the pick that they traded up for this year to get up to that spot, and they picked it three. Like, there's a real world. I'd give it probably more than like a 30 to 40% chance that that's a top two pick next year in a class with Caleb Williams, with Marvin Harrison Jr., with Drake May, that if you don't like one of those players for whatever reason, somebody will. And you that you know they could parlay this pick from Houston into two to three more first-round picks. Yeah. Like, that is big-time moves for a roster that needed a massive overhaul, and it's going to have the opportunity to do so uh, over these next few years, either around Kyler Murray or around whoever they draft next year or after that. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, the Texans think that they're going to be in good – good place next year because they would never have traded. I just, I can't see a world where CJ Stroud and Will Anderson add like four wins to your team. I just, I can't. Miko Ryan's man. I'm kind of bought in. Like, I I don't think that they will be, I think, yeah. And I think, think, again, we talked about it. It's a culture move, but like, do you really think that this guy does that much for you? Like, does he really, is Will Anderson going to be better than, you know, who was available at, I was about to say Jameer Gibbs, but like Lucas Van Ness and maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. next year. Like, is Will Anderson really better than that? Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be hard for them to return value on that pick, and that's why I think Arizona did so well on that. That's fair. That's fair. Last thing on the draft thoughts, one other draft I wanted to throw out before we conclude um, on draft thoughts. I thought the Seahawks had an awesome first round. Uh, they got Witherspoon, top cornerback in the draft. Um, I, I didn't know that he should have been going that high, uh, but I texted the chat and it was like, uh, yeah, that was where he's because I earlier in the draft process, dude, he's good. He was not going top ten. I feel like, but I was, dude, I was picking him to three at three to the Cardinals like a lot. I, I think Witherspoon's gonna be like a very like especially now you put him alongside Tariq Woolen. Now Tariq Woolen can be a a two, like. You're, you're really building something here in Seattle. And this is exactly what I'm talking. And this is why I'm so frustrated with the Lions. I know everything keeps coming back to the Lions. But the Seahawks had the exact same situation of, okay, we have 
excess draft picks from a team that we traded our franchise quarterback to. You look over the last few years, they've got Charles Cross, they've got Kenneth Walker, they've got Tariq Woolen, they've now added Devin Witherspoon, and they've added Jackson Smith and Jigba. And the Lions had the opportunity to do that, where they add two, you know, the two best players at their positions in this class and didn't know. And that's why it's frustrating to see what they did. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like Witherspoon and JSN were the best prospects at their respective position at, 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 at corner and wide receiver. Like those are two extremely high impact positions. Yep. And they were the clear number one prospect at their position. There wasn't any doubt about it. Yeah. So I love that. They did go to running backs in the rest of their draft. They went, uh, I do like Charbonnet out of UCLA. Yeah. That, but just, just slaughtering my fan. Like I, I was coming into the dynasty as from my dynasty team. I know no one cares about this, but coming into the, uh, to the NFL draft, I was like, man, I'm really worried about Ramondre. Like, I don't know if they're going to like, they could take a running back at 14 and just fuck me like massively. And I walk out of the draft and I'm like, well, shit now Rashad Penny's worthless. And Kenny Walker, who I was like, all right, this is my guy. Like I've got McCaffrey. I've got a really good team for a 10 team. By the way. <laughs> um, I got McCaffrey, but I'm like, Kenny Walker's going to be my guy. Like once McCaffrey can't really do it anymore. And they drafted running back in the second round. And now they're going to have split carries. And they drafted what was probably the best receiving back in this draft. It's not named Jameer Gibbs in the seventh round, the guy from Georgia. And I Kelly can't remember McIntosh. his name, but he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be getting snaps too. So yeah. fuck the whole thing. I know Kelly McIntosh. I put him on here in the notes. Like he's, he was good and he played for fucking Georgia. So obviously he's got some talent. Mm-hmm. And it's classic Pete Carroll, man. It's going to be Rashad Penny, Chris Carson all over again, and it won't be friendly, fantasy-friendly, and you won't ever know who's going to go off. It's going to be a great time. All right, man. I think it's about time we almost get out of here. But first, we got to talk about the contract extensions given out to some big-time quarterbacks in the league. And starting off with the improperly aligned picture of Lamar Jackson signing his extension today. Uh, this was put out today, obviously. Um, gotta love it. And we didn't know what the details were on Lamar's contract. We didn't know what all the guaranteed money would, would be. Um, it was rumored that it would be around $200 million. Um, ends up being five years, $185 million guaranteed. And then right before that, Jalen Hurts kind of set the market by going five years, $126.5 million guaranteed. So big-time quarterbacks getting paid. What are your, some of your general thoughts? And um, I don't know if we want to compare these two because I think they're great in their own right. But guess what it means for the next big quarterback deal, which is probably Joe Burrow. But I'll hand it over to you, man. Uh, my immediate thoughts are I hate everything um, because – I thought it was over. I thought there was no way. This was prior to Odell Beckham signing. I thought there was like 20% chance he'd be back. You know, the whole, they've, they've been working on this contract for two years. Nothing has came of it yet. And, oh my God. And he requests a trade on Twitter. Like, he's like, all right, you all don't want to put this out. I don't have an agent to put this out. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put it out on Twitter. I want to be out of here. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. And that's what I was saying is like the difference between before this and after this is, you know, before we just could, we, we can't seem to get the numbers right. Now I don't want to be here. And then as soon as Odell Beckham signed, I was like, well, he's coming back. Cause Odell's not signing there to play with Tyler Huntley. Like it just, that's not happening. He's got assurance from somebody, whether it be from the Ravens front office, whether it be from Lamar himself, whether it be from both, 
that he's Lamar is going to be back next year. And uh, I, th- I, <laughs> I really thought it was it. I thought it was it. I thought he was leaving my division because I love Lamar. I think Lamar is a fantastic player. I think Lamar is super overhated, but he plays for like the team that I hate most in all professional sports. So it's a little hard to recognize that uh, a lot, but it's, I mean, you pay your guy. Like, while it would be nice to just have a carousel of rookie contract quarterbacks, you got a Lamar Jackson, you pay him, you now have to do some, you know, some real extra work in the cap, and now you got to work the draft a lot better because really um, you can't have more than, like, four or five guys that are being paid, like, legit money if you've got that max quarterback. So you got to think they've got – Mark Andrews getting paid at the top of the tight end market. Yep. Ronnie Stanley getting paid Roquan. at the top of the tackle market. Roquan now getting paid at the top of the linebacker market. Marcus Williams getting paid at the top of the safety market. About that. Marlon Humphrey at corner. And I know it's a one-year deal, but you're also still paying Odell. So you now have to, like, Zay Flowers kind of has to hit for you, or now you're in this same spot where you were two years ago or a year ago, or hell, before you signed Odell Beckham, of where are we going to get receivers from? So, and the other thing is now, like, who do you bring in? They brought in Rocky Sin, which I'm like, damn it, another, like, it's so frustrating because the Ravens front office is so good, and I promise I will talk about Jalen Hurts, <laughs> but that front office is so good, like, I knew that they would just sign Rocky Sin, fill that cornerback hole, because I was, like, walking out of the draft, I'm like, well, they didn't take a CB2, so at least there's that. Nope, they got their guy there, too. So, there's not a lot of holes on this Ravens team, and, like, do not be surprised if they're like a one seat this year, I'm, I'm dead serious when I say that, like they have filled every spot they've got. A, I mean, you think about on the defensive end, you got Marlin now Rocky sin. You got two great safeties in Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton. You've got Roquan Smith in the middle. You also drafted Trenton Simpson to go along with Patrick queen, who still might be on the roster on day one. You've got some young edge rushers. You could, they might bring Justin Houston back offensive line. As long as it stays healthy, it's going to be a solid group. You now got the best group of playmakers Lamar's ever seen. And really, like when you break it down with the addition of these guys, this is probably one of the best group of playmakers in the league. Odell, Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, like three wide receivers plus a tight end. There's not a whole lot of teams that are doing better than that. I still have my doubts about J.K. Dobbins, despite what certain individuals might think of him. But he's fine. Like he's going to be serviceable running back as long as he's healthy. He's going to be pretty good. Um, and they're going to be really good. And honestly, the same thing goes for the Eagles. I just don't have as much passion for uh, the Jalen Hurts contract as I do for Lamar. But you know that with the way that they draft and the way that they build their team, that this is going to affect them in a certain way. Like, obviously, they're not going to be able to bring in a lot of the top-end market guys anymore, but they're going to be fine. Like, they will figure this out. Um, Like I said, this is one of the two or three best front offices in the NFL they will figure this out. I just find it almost hilarious that the reason why this Eagles were picking at 10 this year and then obviously ended up moving up to nine to get Jalen Carter was because they traded out of one of their first round picks last year in the event that Jalen Hurts was not the guy, like was not their quarterback of the future. They wanted to be able to posture themselves to be able to get a quarterback in this year's draft. And then they just gave Jalen Hurts the biggest contract in NFL history after one season removed from being like, eh, do we really want to make Jalen Hurts a long-term starter? Yeah. Now he's the highest-paid player in the NFL. Yeah. No. I 
I mean, like I said, you got to hate Howie Roseman if you're a fan. of. Yeah, I was about to say, that's got to be how you feel with the Eagles in your division. Whereas, like, I feel with the Ravens in my division, I'm just like. Yeah, well, imagine how I feel. So good. I hate it. About a Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis uh, punching Sam Howell in the face uh, every time we play. That's another thing we got because it's Sam Howell playing quarterback. They're trying to steal your thunder, man. They saw you guys draft all those first-round defensive tackles, and they're like, you know, we could do that <laughs> while also developing a quarterback. While also going to a fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> We're not. For the second time in five yeah, years. we don't see very close on. With a almost completely different roster. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I obviously I love it for the Eagles. They finally found their guy. They could pay. Uh, you thought it was going to be Carson Wentz for a while. Um, but obviously Jalen Hurts is that franchise guy now. Um, as far as the Ravens go, obviously you got to love it. I'm a huge fan of Lamar now, too. I was a hater at first uh, when we first started the podcast, especially. Um, but as I've watched enough of Lamar Jackson, he's a alien. He's a superhero. He's all the above. He does things that I've never seen before. Um, he's a dog, man. And the one thing that I will say, though, is he's got all the weapons down, man. He's got... and. Yeah, like I think Bateman could, and I I think, go ahead. From the reactions that he was getting this off season of like all the Ravens fans who never really liked him in the first place, you know, for reasons that are unknown. Um, with the way that he kind of handled this off season, not that he handled it like super poorly, but because you know he wanted to get paid like every other player in the NFL does, but. A Ravens fan is never going to see it that way. It's going to be like, oh, you don't want to play for this team, blah, 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 blah. And you've got the big contract. You've got the money. Now, all right, it's it's time to go. And if he doesn't perform, if he gets hurt, it's going to be hellfire in Baltimore because, you know, this is exact. This is every, he, they, like, I know we've kind of started to, started to overplay the list of demands from quarterbacks, but. They they checked all the boxes in Baltimore, so if he does, it's it's put up or shut up time for Lamar in Baltimore now, and I think there's going to be a lot of pushback if it doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean this is, I mean you hit the nail on the head. It's like you got to show up here because this has been a run first, run second, run third team past like two years. I mean they've put up historic rushing. And it's been like, get Lamar weapons, get Lamar weapons he can throw to. Now he has Lamar Jackson. He has Zay Flowers, who they drafted in the first round. If OBJ, I think the verdict's still out on Rashad Bateman. Still have him. So, I like, have we seen this offense, like, in a pass-happy well, way? Well, you got to also remember, this isn't Greg Roman's offense. That's true. This isn't run the ball 35 times a game. This is Todd Munkin. This is, is an entirely new thing that they're going to be doing here. So when we like try and make projections for this offense and what it's going to look like, it's all completely different. We have no idea what this is going to look like in a year's time. This could very well be one of the top 10, like as far as pass attempts per game go and pass plays per game go, this could very well be one of the top 10 teams in the league. We don't know that yet. I can't imagine that it isn't kind of leaning that way because if you wanted to just keep running the ball, Greg Roman for all of the, all of the slander that he gets is one of the best running the football minds in all of football. So if you wanted to keep to that philosophy, you'd keep Greg Roman. So I, I think that there's going to be a philosophy switch here in Baltimore. We're going to see the ball being thrown a lot more with these weapons now. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to lead to a much more high powered offense in my opinion. And behind that defense, I'm telling you this Ravens team is going to be serious this year. 
I agree with most most of what you said. Like I, I'm regardless of the coordinator change. I think uh, he's the um, guy from Michigan, right? Onkin. Georgia. Oh yeah, Georgia. Yeah. Their their DC is the guy from okay, Michigan. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because he worked with Harbaugh and all that. Shit. But um, mm-hmm. I think like it's still a lot of the same player personnel. I know you added some key uh, skill position players, but it's still a lot of the same personnel. They're used to running the ball down team throats, so. How quickly Lamar Jackson turns into some like West Coast. I mean, I don't. Style. I don't think they're gonna become. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna like just overnight become one of the two best, most often passing teams right. in the NFL. But I think we're gonna see it a lot more. Like you're gonna see a lot more runs to set up the pass than just runs just to continue to run. Right. Like it's gonna be much more balanced. Whereas in years past, we obviously saw they were like the team that's first in rushing in the NFL. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna kind of lean more towards the middle now, and I think that's what a lot of Ravens fans have been wanting is because Roman never passed the ball, and that would drive them nuts. So now we'll get to see if the uh, the couch people are right <laughs> about what this offense can do when they pass the ball. Fair enough. Uh, last thought that uh, we'll do on Hertz and Lamar: Who do you think wins the Super Bowl first, and um, how many MVPs do you think each finish with? Oh, Lamar's got a head start yep. in the MVP department and Hurts, I mean, technically has a head yep. start in the Super Bowl department. Mm-hmm. I think just because the Eagles are in a much less loaded conference, like the Eagles have to make it through at, at this current moment, unless some team breaks out, they have to go through San Francisco and Dallas. That's it. Like you're, you're then after that, you're looking at Detroit, you're looking at Minnesota, you're looking at. Seattle, the Giants, like, are we serious right now? I just named six teams. The sixth best team in the AFC is probably like the Jets. Yeah. Or, I mean, hell, the, depending on how you want to look at it, for some people, the sixth best team in the AFC might be the Ravens. Yeah. Like, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Ravens, Chargers, Jets, Jags now are legit. Steelers, Browns. Yeah. The Browns. Dolphin, Dolphins. Completely forgot about yeah. the Dolphins. Completely forgot about the Dolphins. That's 10 teams that I just and the named. the Patriots that, like, will always stick yeah, around. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And then you've got three rookie quarterbacks in the AFC South. you got to imagine one of them hits. And Denver and Vegas, like, I feel like one of those teams is going to win seven or eight games this year. Like, I feel like there's a chance next year that the top 10 in the draft order is going to be like eight or nine teams from the NFC. Like, the AFC is that stacked and that loaded. So, for Super Bowl, it's got to be Jalen Hurts because he's just he's just going to have more shots to get there, in my opinion. And I don't – honestly, I don't think either, either one of them ever wins another MVP. I just think now – I don't think Lamar will ever be in a position because, you know, as much as I like him and as much as I think the injury stuff's ever played, I don't know if he'll ever play 17, like, again. And – with Hertz, I think everybody's going to be like, well, look at the team that he's got around him. You know, how, how, how's he ever going to win an MVP like that when we're going to have these, you know, Mahomes who's getting paid all that money and that team isn't as well rounded. Same thing with Burrow, same thing with Allen. And I mean, I think this year, I think the Trevor Lawrence MVP talk is going to really pick up here. I think a lot of people are going to be buying into that this offseason uh, based off the back of what they did last year. Yeah, for sure. We'll have some. Uh, I'm sure we'll do some award predictions before the season starts at some point. Oh yeah, much close, much closer to the yeah. season in August. But yeah, for sure. But I think overall, Jalen Hurts probably 
wins an MVP earlier than Lamar wins his next one, just because Jalen Hurts finished second last year. Yeah, and Lamar's year. already got one. Yeah, so right. I think people yeah. are people will hold off on him. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, I think because he finished second last year. Um, I will say that if like we're talking about this year of who has the higher chance, I think Lamar's got the narrative because Lamar's you know coming in with the new system. He's got he's finally got the weapons. If he plays well and the team plays well, I think he'll have the narrative in his favor. So I agree. I agree with that. All right, man. Well, that does it for our first pod back in a minute. Uh, looking forward to putting out more podcasts as we roll through the summer, putting together our power rankings, uh, headed into next season and kind of breaking it down. Um, you guys haven't get to uh, haven't gotten to look at the setup we're going to have uh, for our team breakdowns, but I've taken a look at it. Jaden showed me the other day, and they look fuego. So I think everybody's going to be happy with that. Looking forward to diving into it. But until then, catch you later. Peace.